A lot of times I'll be in a 200 mile run or something like that, and I'm all jacked up. Body's broken, mind's broken, spirit's broken. I start to say, what if I can pull this off? When I first walked into the Navy SEAL recruiter's office, he looked at me and said, there's only been 35 African-Americans in 70 years make it through. You know what I said to myself? What if I can be the 36th? It's the what if I can pull off a miracle? What if I can become someone that no one thinks I can be? And just that, just me talking about that, I have the hair going up on my arms because it makes me just like, what if I can be that guy that people who call nigger and this and that, and now I'm speaking at Tom Ferry's event. What if? That's it. I, I came home one night from work spraying for cockroaches. And um, long story short, I turned on the, the um, Discovery Channel. And I saw some guys going through Navy SEAL training. And they were going through Hell Week and they were getting their ass just beat. You know, in and out of the water, guys ringing the bell. Um, they were just suffering. And I was weighing like 297 pounds. And I had to make a change in my life. You know, I was at an all-time low and I wasn't going anywhere. And I was exactly what everybody said I was gonna be, which was nothing. So I had to make a change. What was it about seeing suffering? That's, that's really interesting and I actually get it, but I wanna hear you explain it. Why suffering was the thing that triggered that thought? Well, for me growing up, I came from a horrible background. I got called nigger every day of my life growing up, um, lived in a small town. The clan headquarters at that time was about um, 20 minutes from where I lived. The, uh, one of the high ups in the KKK son sat behind me in two classes, so he called me nigger all the time. Got my first car, they spray printed nigger, we're gonna kill you on it. So I was just an insecure, scared kid. And the only way I could find myself was to put myself through the worst thing possible. I'm gonna say the exact opposite of what the world, today's world is saying. So we read a bunch of books nowadays. As, as humans, we, we wanna find out how to be someone else. What we don't do is we don't go inside. So literally turn yourself inside out. Read the book that says, like, like we're writing a book every day of our lives. Every day we're seeing who we are as people. When I was growing up, I, I lied for people to accept me because I didn't accept myself. So I would make up stories so, so that you would accept me into your world. I would, uh, everything I did was for someone else to like me. It wasn't until I started reading my own book about how pathetic I was as a human being. I could blame my dad, I can blame kids at school, I could blame having health issues, ADD, my mom not being around. Great mom, but she was doing her thing. I could blame a lot of people. And that's the book I was reading. And I put it off on everybody else. It wasn't until I said, you know what, for me to fix this, I gotta read what the hell, what the fuck is wrong with David Goggins? Not, not blame anybody. Read my book and say, okay, I'm afraid of my shadow. How can I overcome that? Go in the military, get your ass kicked, do things you hate to do. Be uncomfortable every day of your life. Roger that. I'm not the smartest kid in the world. Okay. Instead of somebody saying, oh no, you're smart. No, no, don't say that to yourself. I said to myself, no, I'm a dumb. Okay, Roger that. How you get smarter? Educate yourself. So the things that we run from, we run from the truth. 
We're running from the truth, man. So the only way I became successful was going towards the truth. As painful and as brutal as it is, it changed me. It, it allowed me to become, in my own right, who I am today. The cookie jar is something I invented. As you all know, your mom has a cookie jar, and sometimes you might have an Oreo, sometimes you might have a Chips Ahoy, sometimes you might have an oatmeal raisin cookie. You never know. It's just in there. My cookie jar has every single failure and success of my life, something I overcame. So what happens in, this, in, in time of life when you're stressed out and things get bad, even the hardest guy in the world, me, everybody thinks, and I think I'm the hardest guy in the world. You got to believe that. You got to believe you are something. I will, in my mind, reach into my cookie jar, and sometimes you forget how hard you are in times of, of, of need, because you, you, you're, you're stressed. But you forget, I'm a Navy SEAL, I'm a Ranger, I'm this and that, but you forget all that because your life sucks. I calm down, take that one second, get control of my life, reach in the cookie jar, Wow, you got called nigger your whole life, and you're now the only person in history to do this, this, and this. Put it back in the cookie jar, reset my mind. You have to remind yourself of how badass you really are in times of need. That's the cookie jar. The best way for me to get how I feel across, I can't sit here and say, you know what, yeah, I went through Hell Week, and man, it was, it was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that takes your damn soul, rips it inside out, and then they say, now we're going to start. It, it, it allows me to express where I was at at a point of my life. If I don't give you all of me, why the hell am I here? Why, how will you learn from me? People take so much offense to me. You will never learn from people if we always tap dance around the truth. Oh God, I love that. We tap dance around the truth by finding the right words so I don't hurt you because you have thin skin. No, tighten up people. It's okay, trust me, it's okay. You might be called nigger one day, it's okay. You might be called some Jewish word or some faggot or gay word, it's okay. Let them call you that. What are you going to do now? They don't own your life. How are you going to control that now? How are you going to flip it upside down and say, Roger that, now I'm going to harness this and you'll read about me years from now? How? That's the question. How are you going to do that? Thicken your skin. Become more of a human being. Don't be afraid of the reflection in the mirror. That's all you can be afraid of. Once you overcome the reflection in the mirror, you've done it. The first ultra marathon wasn't smart at all, at all. Um, just so basically what happened was, I was at military free fall school with Morgan Luttrell. Marcus Luttrell, if you guys don't know, was the lone survivor of the guy. He um, was in a bad op, Auckland bad. He was the only Navy SEAL that lived. Long story short, you gotta get the book, read Lone Survivor, great story. Morgan is Marcus Luttrell's twin brother, and I was there with Marcus. So. What happened was myself and Morgan were in free fall school. At the same exact time, Marcus was in the worst incident in still history. 
So I knew that Marcus might be dead. He wasn't dead, everybody else was dead. So I actually brought Morgan, you know, I actually told Morgan, hey man, your brother wasn't a bad incident. I don't know if he's alive, I don't know what's going on. Long story short, Marcus is alive and I go on to want to raise money for families. All these guys died, they all had kids. I want to raise money for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. It's a foundation where 100% tuition goes to these kids to go to college, you know, full tuition, whatever. So I found this great foundation. I'm going to raise money for it. So I said, you know what? I have to Google something that's, that's evil, something very hard. I knew nothing about ultra marathons. I hadn't even run a marathon. I knew nothing about this world. So I Googled the, you know, the top 10 hardest races in the world. And what comes up is a bad water 135. So 135 mile race through Death Valley in the summertime. I thought it was a stage race. I thought it was a race where you run like 20 miles, set up camp, you know, barbecue outside and then go run some more the next day. So I called the race director up at the race and said, hey, Chris, his name is Chris Costin. I want to do your race. So we had a long conversation. You know, I was I was much heavier then and I hadn't put running shoes on over a year. How heavy are you at this point? I'm around between 240 to 270. Whoa. I'm in there. I'm in that range. I've, my, my weight has varied a lot through the SEAL teams and out of the sure. SEAL teams. So I was a heavy guy. But the long and short of it all was I hadn't put running shoes on in over a year. I was a big time power lifter. I lifted weights heavy. That's what I did. Right. I just got back home from Iraq, went straight to free fall school, and then this happened. So I called Chris Costman up on a Wednesday. He says, look, man, the only way you can qualify for my race is to run 100 miles at one time in 24 hours or less. There happened to be a race that Saturday, so four days later. And he said, if you qualify by running 100 miles or less in 24 hours, I will consider you my race. I'm going to cut to the chase. I signed up for this race. It's called the San Diego One Day, where you run around a one-mile track for 24 hours to see how many miles you can get. My goal was 100 miles. So um, I got to mile 70, and I cleared 70 miles in like 12, 13 hours pretty quickly. But I was done. My feet were broken. I was stress fractures, shin splints. Muscles were tearing. I was in bad shape. I was eating Ritz crackers and drinking Mileplex. <laughs> That's all I had. No water, didn't know what the hell I was doing out there. Had on some tube socks. It was just ridiculous. It was, it was a clown show. So I sat down at mile 70, and at this time I was married. And I, I look at my wife and I was like, um, I'm, I'm messed up bad. So I literally start to turn white. And when a black guy turns white, you're pretty <laughs> up. So. Here I am, I'm all f***ed up in this chair. I'm at mile 70, they got 30 miles to go, I'm jacked up. I gotta go to the bathroom, and the, and the bathroom's like 20 feet from me, it's a porta potty. I can't get out of the chair, so I'm peeing blood down my leg. Whoa. Pooping up my back, and I got 30 miles to go. And I'm, I can't stand up because my, my blood pressure's all messed up. I've been in three hell weeks, range of school, overcome so many obstacles in my life. This last 30 miles of this race is when I realized a human being is not so human anymore. We have the ability to go in such a space. If you're willing to suffer, and I mean suffer, your brain and your body, once connected together, can do anything. And this 30 miles was the life-changing moment. 
I was out of it. I was in the worst pain in my entire life. I was, to me, on the brink of death. And I was able to chunk this 30 damn miles into small pieces. I was so driven, and I'm not, I'm not gonna say motivated because motivation is crap. Motivation comes and goes. When you're driven, whatever's in front of you will get destroyed. So I sat in this chair and I was so driven to succeed in this race. And, it, and at this time, everybody goes, were you thinking about the guys that died? And I'm not gonna lie to you, I wasn't. This became a personal thing. This became me against this race, me against the kids that called me nigger, me against me. It, it, it just became something that I took so, so violently personal. And I broke this thing down into small pieces. I said, okay, I gotta get nutrition. I gotta be able to stand up before I can get off this curb and get off this chair and be able to go 30 miles. So I went through all these small steps and I, I was able to stand up. And then from standing up, I was literally walking around with my wife at the time and she goes, you're not gonna make the time. She goes, you're, I mean, you're, you're walking like 30 something minute miles. I got to mile 81. And the second she said that I'm not gonna make the time, I ran the last 19 miles, nonstop. And I can show you right now, when we get done with this, matter of fact, I'm gonna show you right now. This was years ago. And I had to put compression tape on my ankle. And I had, so this was years ago, I had, literally the size of half dollars I had to get compression tape and I taped up my ankles and I taped up my feet and that's how I got through that race. Was it like a hematoma? I mean what are we... What no, so what happened was I, like my shins hurt so bad from having stretch fractures that the only way I could continue on Whoa. was I taped it so I wasn't doing the flexor motion that, that mm -hmm. activates your, your shins. So I taped my ankles and my shins up, and I got that from, because in my third hell week, they weren't gonna let me go back through, you know, train anymore. Right. So I literally went through all of Bud's, my last SEAL training with stretch fractures and shin splints. And how I did it was I would take my ankles all the way up to my calf every morning. So for the first hour, the pain was excruciating. Mm. But what happened is my feet would go numb. And I Whoa. did that every single day for six months. Whoa! And that's how I got through my third hell week because I was so broken from the first two that the commander said, hey, the CEO said, this is your last time we're sending you through. So that's how I got the idea to do that. So with the right, and, and people may listen to this and say, this guy is sadistic, he's crazy. He's, no, if you know how I came up, you realize I was just a scared kid that found drive and passion to be something much better than what he thought he was. That's all it is. Self-talk and visualization are two keys to my success. I believed for that last time, 19 miles, I was indestructible. Because I took myself in that chair, crapping up my back, peeing blood down my leg, shin splint stretch fractures. I use all that for motivation versus negativity. I use it for motivation. I, I said to myself, who on this earth would still be going right now? You are. You are. You gotta be the hardest on the planet. Is it true? I don't give a f At that time, it got me to the finish line of that race. I believed it. I believe it today. I believed it enough to where my body said, 
he's not going to stop. And that's, I took all the negative things, I need to go to the hospital, this and that, and I used it all. Who the hell would even get on a chair? Who the hell would even think about taping stretch fractures like You did. All those things I used for motivation. What power have you found in darkness? First off, before I answer that question, I want to say everybody listening to this, um, I'm the happiest man on the planet. So people may take this, and as so many people do, we live in a very weakened society. So when they hear a throwback guy like me from back in the ancient days of, <laughs> of Geranimals, they often think this guy is just whatever. So if you think that I'm some unhappy guy, you're wrong. Having lived the life I've lived and seeing the other side, not being afraid to attack what was in front of me has made me happy. Say that again. In fact, let me make sure I understood it. Getting to the point where you're not afraid to face the thing on the other side of the door that wants to attack you has made you happy. Right, right. It's really powerful. I hope people heard that. Right, it made me very happy. So basically, I just don't walk around with a dad going to smile my face all the time. So, you know, Merry Christmas. <laughs> but, um, but basically, what the dark side is, is we all have a cookie jar, and we all have a jar of... <laughs> That's its official name. It's a jar of, man, which just, it just ain't going right. And in Hell Week, what they do in Hell Week, because this is where I really went to the dark side. What they do in Hell Week is they design Hell Week to find your flaws. And they do a really good job of that. It's 130 hours of continuous training. You may get two hours of sleep, and they beat this out of you and find everything wrong with your mentality and then they start hell week and that's the beauty of it and for me i'm not some not you know nasty guy giving guy you know I, I don't have a great bit of talent in anything so what got me through horrible times was the dark side was i created my name is david goggins i created goggins goggins is the guy that can take anything you put in front of them. You want to break my legs? So be it. I have a way of going to a place like I did in that race where all the pain and suffering that they put on top of me in Hell Week, I will reverse that pain and suffering and I will take your soul. So every instructor that put me through buds, my job, what drove me was I wanted you to go home that night after you beat the living shit out of me and I smiled in your face. I wanted you to feel worse than I did and you were going home to a nice warm bed with your wife or your kids and a nice meal and I was still out there in the grip, suffering for another 100 hours. I wanted you to think about me, knowing that I'm comfortable, being very uncomfortable. And I want you to think about when you went through hell, how uncomfortable you were and how bad you wanted to quit, knowing I'm not thinking that. So the dark side is something that I've designed. It's an evil place I can go that very few things can hurt. I use the hurt you're trying to put on me. I flip it upside down and use it. You're trying to use it for kryptonite? No. It's power pillars for me. I'm, I'm using it for strength. I just flip negative into positive. That's all it is.